Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you had a great weekend. Appreciate you joining us. I'm looking forward to tonight's NFL matchup. Since you told me the winds blustery, the temperature freezing, and the teams in the need of, uh, of a win and a level of physicality to get it done because throwing the ball ain't going to be easy tonight. I'm pumped to watch this game. This is a little bit throwback game. Should be fun. The weekend that was saw lots of change around college football, and most notably we've had our antennas up for Florida State to hire a new athletic director. You just want that leadership in place. I can let people debate who it is they wanted and who they didn't want. But Vince Tyra looks to be the guy in the crosshairs right now for Florida State. It's a guy that's a sitting AD at Louisville who appears to be in a fight with the university president about a football hire, or at least that's if that's to be believed from the local insiders there at Louisville. That seems to be a bit of a strained relationship, this being the final straw, which opens up his candidacy. He comes in, interviews well, along with some other candidates that are interviewed. He emerges as the favorite, or so we're told. We'll see. But it does appear to be moving in that direction. For Florida State, it's very vital that they get uh, real leadership at that position and make the necessary changes moving forward as we wade into choppy waters with change being a constant that's true, too, of Mike Ravel and staff as they look to uh, secure a top 15 class and also flip this roster. Lots of names going into the transfer portal for Florida State over the last 72 hours. More to follow, one would assume. That's good. More spots available for better players. That roster has to get a lot better if they're going to continue to take steps forward and improve. They got better in areas, but of course we know 5-7 and seven, can't happen again next year. We've got to see where this happens, where this goes. But improving the roster would be a big part of elevating competition day-to-day in practice. Changing your fortunes become possible at that point. We shall see. But, uh, of course, hourly you get the updates on Warchant.com about who they're visiting, who they're talking to, and why, and what possibilities remain in the transfer portal, and who else has entered said transfer portal, both here and from afar, because some are leaving, while some most certainly will be arriving. And that is where we sit. Meanwhile, our rivals and those around college football that have an impact on our ability to recruit the region and improve, as alluded to a moment ago, they continue to make changes. First, of course, we go back to uh, the end of the season where Florida made the change with Napier. We find out what he's going to do. Now you watch Miami investing and moving on. 
looking to bring in Radakovich as the AD from Clemson. That affects Clemson to some degree, but it certainly affects Miami as they get a guy who is uh, as accomplished as most or any AD you can find. Now he's getting up there in age. This looks like his last job. Has ties to Miami. We'll see. They bring in Mario Cristobal to be the head coach. That will work for them from a recruiting standpoint, I do believe. He's not a great X's and O's guy. He's just fine as a recruiter, but that's direct competition for Florida State and South Florida where an overabundance of really good players reside. We'll see. Does Randy Shannon being out on the road for Florida State help mitigate some of that disadvantage in South Florida given his connections and stature there? One would see. As I noted, lots of change. Yeah, and it would appear, too, that Miami is investing a lot of money in the assistant coach pool as well. So this is something to watch over the next year or two. I don't know how much damage that they can do the the Cristobal Miami staff in the next nine days before the early signing period begins because it would appear that most of our high school recruits, if not all of them, that are currently committed to Florida State are going to sign on that day. But the thing that I'm worried about, as we're under 10 days from the early signing period beginning. Can't happen soon enough. Is, you know, next Monday night or next Tuesday afternoon, a kid saying, well, I'm going to delay my decision till February. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for now. I'm not trying to be a negative person, but when you have both of your in-state rivals changing head coaches, when you've got a new head coach at LSU, you've got the defensive coordinator at Clemson, now the head coach at uh, Oklahoma, you've got Lincoln Riley at USC, and there might be a kid who's, was interested to go, or, or kid or two actually, who were interested in going to Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was there. There are just so many moving parts here that I hope things go, things go quietly for us on the commitment front between now and the 15th. But you've got to be ready for just about anything between now and then. Not to be an alarmist, I'm just saying. You know, most years yeah. you wouldn't have this many changes and this many potential variables crop up at the last second. I think this weekend, uh, for kids who have official visits left or or unofficials where are they going this particular weekend are they coming here are they staying at home it's a really important time to be locked into this website at warchant.com and i'm not saying that because we're employees it's just legitimately true on every level on the player level the coaching level and the administration AD, level yeah. things are changing here it's so funny to watch the ebbs and flows of a coach's career and the way he's perceived you know we mentioned before the break before the end of the hour i was talking about where harbaugh sits now in the eyes of so many and rightfully he was criticized for a very long period of time for his inability to get Michigan wins over rivals, consistently losing the biggest of games on their schedule. Until they didn't. Until this year they won and won convincingly and won in a way that sees them in the college football playoff. How does that shift the narrative? Well, if you think back to Cristobal there at Miami, yes, he has ties. He was a former player there. He was on two national championship teams when he played there, 89-91. Uh, but Cristobal was a guy that was at FIU. And they were terrible. He was 20 games under 500 while he was there. Nobody viewed him as some future savior of the Miami program. They viewed him in the way that they viewed a lot of other coaches that have coached at that level, which is, okay, he's an also-ran. Just, you know, he, he, what can you really do at a program like that? Is it fair to put that on his footstep and, and say that it's his fault that they were 27 and 47 under his watch? Did he not prove enough? Then he goes off to Oregon, and he's not great at Oregon, by the way, but he does go 35 and 13. He does win two Pac-12 titles, so that's 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 good. It's not great. It's not overwhelming, but it is good. Um, 
in five seasons. He's also lost some games that are head scratchers and got blown out not once but twice this year by Utah and, of course, lost to Stanford this year, who was simply terrible. So you look at him and you're kind of, I'm not real sure, but his connections, his ties, his passion for Miami will win in the recruiting game. That we know, and so therefore you do worry about that for Florida State. Its athletic director's situation looks to be resolved here sooner rather than later. That's good to get leadership in a very important position for the first time, I would argue, since Dave Hart. Now, whether or not he'll work out, time will tell. Exactly. We don't know. Everybody's got an opinion about it, but we don't know enough about the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened at Louisville as to whether or not he had uh, control of what you know hiring and firing process. It sounds like he didn't lately with the football program, and that's why he was interested in leaving. Well, if I was the new athletic director, whoever it's going to be, I would use this moment in Miami program, athletic program history, to try and galvanize us. To let this be a watershed moment for Florida State. Hey, we've got a head start in the short term, but we can't let that erode as time goes on because it's going to be tough for Cristobal to make the most of this recruiting class. Now, he's got a head start with a good quarterback. That's bad news, especially if he gets a good offensive coordinator like, I don't know, maybe Joe Brady wants to go down to Miami and he was just fired by the Panthers mm-hmm. after, a, you know, how long did he work with them? 20 games, whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, yeah. Right. So you know, if he gets a good offensive coordinator, okay, that's a problem next year immediately. But if they're going to commit all this money, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to use a little bit of a fear tactic and say, listen, they're finally committed down there, and we ain't exactly been winning 10 games the last five, six years, so let's go. If you've got the expendable dollars now or never, we need it now because you don't want to lose your position in the state. Two weeks ago, we were talking about us, our athletic department, and our football program being the most stable. You don't want to have that be a two- or three-week trend you want it to be a two- or three-year trend. It, well, it still is the most stable, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, they're but they're putting themselves in position to be successful long-term, give themselves the best possible chance to do so for the first time in a long time. Like I think on the outside, we've kind of laughed at each move they've made. Yes, because they were hiring people like Al Golden. Yes, they went to Temple twice. Yes. Which that's also part of the thing with Manny Diaz. Like, okay, I, you know, he walks away with a lot of money here, and also he didn't do Temple right a yeah. handful of seasons. Yeah, or no, three you don't feel that bad. He's forty-seven years right. old. He's got more money than he'll ever know how to spend. He went twenty-one and fifteen at Miami. He was average at best. He did a good job when he was coaching defense. When he was coaching the linebackers, it's, he'll get another job if he wants it. But this would be the one time in the last 15, 20 years. Well, fifteen, where I'd say. Oh, so you want to commit that kind of money to get that AD, and you're going to commit to an assistant coaching pool that yeah, allow Chris it, it, to get? It shows real intention, right? Without question, we better match that. It's time to get going here. You don't want to get past within this state. You want to have the pipelines to Miami still be open. And by get going, you mean hire an athletic director and has a vision and starts the process. Who right. then is able to recruit the dollars that you're referencing? Well, yes, and get on the same page. And we have a 100 yard IPF, so let's build more things. <laughs> like we need more things because we could be ahead of them. We could stay ahead of them, but you got to have the commitment now who's going to be leading those calls who's going to be on those booster tours is michael alford still going to be a part of that equation or is it the new athletic director leading the way and there is a yes man in the position uh, at well, boosters we'll see yeah not knowing how that's going to play out is what leads to angst for people because we want certainty we don't like to be in limbo but i don't know that we are i think there are assumptions being made and perhaps fair but i'm not sure uh the idea that alford not getting the athletic director's job means that he wants out could be true. I don't know that to be true. That's what the assumption is, that he took this job with the idea of angling towards being the next athletic director at Florida State. Of course, he did have athletic director experience, so that didn't didn't seem preposterous, right? But it also uh, was at a very small school, and so it wasn't the same as a Power 5 school. A lot of people thought, well, that's not a slam dunk. We don't know. 
Presumably he was part of the interview process, uh, most assuredly, right? He sat down, had his opportunity to present and make his case. Uh, I guess perhaps did not win over the uh, committee involved in making that hire. So what are you going to do? I mean, at this point, he has a job to do. Hopefully he's on it. If he's upset, then we'll find out down the line. We won't know anytime real soon because I don't think the move to leave here would happen overnight. Uh, and I think he would probably, it's always a good look to continue to do your job to the best of your ability. And I think that'll, that'll happen. Uh, the, the athletic director in and of itself, when he comes in, having been a sitting athletic director, knowing what he wants, I would expect change. I would expect there to be a lot of shakeups in the Moore Athletic Center. Let's just put it that way. Chef Cambridge at 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk, Radio War Chant TV. This hour, we will have our friend Irash Fell, WarChant.com, the website. He'll join us in about 10 minutes or so. Yeah, I, I think when you have this level of change and this level of movement in college football, everybody gets nervous. Everybody gets very, very nervous. You can sense it if you're on the boards or you look at Twitter or you look at anything. Man, everybody's like, uh... Because you just want to be sure. I was I was talking about this last night on the Smash. You 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 tend to want you know the grass is always greener argument. You tend to want whatever else is is making headlines. If you're not, it could be the best thing for your university that you're not making headlines. That you're remaining status quo. That you have some continuity. That you're entrenched in in, in some sort of uh, understanding and direction as. In, in this case, uh, espoused by Mike Norvell and his staff, um, and that you're in good standing with recruits that you've had consistent conversations and, and consult with and, and have been coming to visit, uh, as opposed to the shiny new thing, which is Crystal Ball to Miami or whatever you want to look at right now. Yeah, by itself, the Crystal Ball hired, I, I, whatever. I feel like that's, you know, you're changing one for the other in terms of aptitude as a head coach, Diaz for Crystal Ball. But what it signals is a greater financial commitment to what they're trying mm. to do. And you've got the head start of a good quarterback. Like that's where it, it gets difficult and, and you start to get a little bit worried. For me, when we get to signing day next week and, and that period ends on Friday, so let's say there might be a little bit of drama for a signature or two. I don't think there will be, but you get to the end of that period, early signing period closes. If we're somewhere between 18 and 24 or 25 kids committed at that point, that's fine by me. The more spots that are open for transfers after that's over, the better. Because if you go to the uh, Rivals Transfer Portal Twitter account, there's like three new kids every hour. Every hour. Every I was hour. Doing it, I did so, it Yeah, over the weekend. I did it over the mo- this morning. Yeah. A lot of us are doing that. A lot of casual college football fans have gravitated towards this new thing, like the free agency of college football. We're all looking at these names and saying, well, okay, you don't know anything about him. You never watched him play it down. Was it, well, he was a four-star. What's going on there? Why did he go to Kansas as a four-star defensive end? Oh, man, only four tackles for loss in two seasons? Oh, I don't right, know. Do right, we right, right. But you want to keep those options open for as long as possible to make sure that we address the positions of need. Like For me, don't try and solve your 32 roster spots by December the 15th. Because you never know who else is going to go in. Now that Chris Ball has left Oregon, maybe Oregon has a couple of really good players go into the portal beyond Micah Pittman. Come on, baby. On. Let's go. Oklahoma the same. Maybe We're making room. Players don't get along with Brent or Clemson players that only wanted to play for Brent. You know, whatever it is, 
Like, just keep your options open there. I think there are going to be plenty of bodies available to get down here. You just got to find the right ones and that are transfers. And how long we have been waiting for Venables to leave Clemson. It was a glorious thing to see it happen. By the way, I haven't mentioned this, but soon enough we'll get to do one of our favorite segments in all the land, which is the swag segment, my man. And already we have an interesting game. Number 10, Michigan State versus number 12, Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl, December the 30th, 7 o'clock. Okay, I like that matchup. There's another one, the Gator Bowl, I thought was interesting because it's Jimbo against Clawson. Did you note, by the way, that Pitt is favored over Michigan State? Yes, because Michigan State is, I think they're bottom five in the country in yards per pass allowed. Oh, well, it was the very thing that concerned everybody when they played Ohio State. We were right, like, well, right. this is a problem since they can't stop the pass, and Ohio State has just a few talented receivers. Right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. became, uh, and then it was fully realized. Um, but the matchup itself is great. Uh, you know, Pitt wins the conference, uh, 45-21, not even a close game, and that was, you know. Yeah, that's where, listen, I, I'm not saying that we should have a member of this conference in the playoff, but this is the only time of the year where I kind of put on an ACC, maybe a beanie, I don't know. But You'd like I, to like, see them play well. Well, yeah. what did we do? Because it'll make me feel better about what we went through. Like If you look at Florida State's schedule, and I know Notre Dame's a different team as, as the season goes on, but you take the number 5 team in the college football playoff mm-hmm. to overtime, and if you don't have a bad snap, you probably beat them. With Mackenzie Milton, a quarterback, for a significant time in that game, that's impressive in retrospect. Now, if the ACC shows out in bowl season as well, that mm-hmm. again would f- make me feel better about where we are as a program. We do this all the time. Uh, yeah, I want to circle back to that in a second, but I, when I brought up Pitt, it reminded me that I wanted to bring something up here. We should not celebrate the Kenny Pickett fake slide. If anything, it is the very point I've been trying to make about sideline plays, about overly protecting players on offense, in particular the quarterback, for a long time now, and and the way that it arrests defenders. They have no opportunity to make plays because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, quite clearly. That led directly to a touchdown because that player – understanding the point of emphasis in college football in general, but in particular the last three years, knew that if he was in fact going to slide, and I dedicated, committed, for lack of a better term, to making that tackle, and he beat me to the punch, he he was able to uh, be quick on the draw and start that sliding process, and then we connect, I'm getting flagged regardless of what intent was. We've seen it time and again. Uh, it's become a nightmare in the sport, and that play shows what quarterbacks do all the time. They usually don't do it in the open field on a slide. They usually do it as they head towards the sideline, pretending that they are going out of bounds only to stay, as Jordan Travis and others have done, inbounds and pick up an extra 5, 10, sometimes 30 yards. And when I saw that, I thought, throw the flag on Kenny Pickett. Yeah, no, Throw I- the flag on him. You're not That's gonna- insane. You won't get an argument from me. But for It's so- abuse of the rule. Yeah, but it's... It's been in place for a long time. Guys do this all the time. They don't do the fake slide in the middle of the field, which was athletic as hell, by the way. They don't do that, but they do the stuff on the sidelines, and kids are screwed. Like We get so mad. And also, if you hit a guy and he's still in bounds as he's running towards the out-of-bounds, they flag you. If they, they seem to think that they understand intent more than you do as a defender. Like the ref, go, oh, he was yeah. going out of no. bounds. Wait, man, he wasn't out of bounds. No, it's, it's the fundamental flaw of, of officiating where they derive intent where there is none, and they don't have a, a, and they make they don't have an understanding on when you have to commit. Maybe, I mean, you know this because you were a defender in the game of football. But yes, it, you have to commit to getting lower, especially against a big kid, and Kenny Pickett's huge. Right. You've got to get low. You're going to get trucked. 
I'm trying to remember. I forget if it was a targeting call or an NFL unnecessary roughness call, but there was a gang tackle. One guy was getting, one guy wrapped up the offensive player, and the second defensive player comes in, hits him in the head, and they call targeting. They throw him out. I forget what game it was, but the commitment from the defender at that point, even though it's a high hit, and you know, I could see where that might be a flag. He doesn't know which way that the offensive doesn't player is going to go. Pull, like, yeah. there's just no way to know. It's no. impossible to play defense and, and make a quick decision anymore. Well, and all you are tasked with are making very quick decisions because the level of athleticism, especially if it's a receiver, but these days, very modern athletic quarterbacks do things at that position that were once reserved for the very rare player, somebody like Michael Vick, right? It happens all the time now. And if I don't commit to it, imagine trying to figure out, imagine trying to think your way through how you're going to tackle Lamar Jackson. Well, good luck, man. I mean, there's no chance. You've got to take the perceived angle and commit to hitting him and make him make a decision to go out of bounds or to slide. But I've got to commit to something. Now, if I stand straight up, he's going to juke me out of my shoes. I've got no chance. He's a much better athlete than almost every player in the league. It's insane. And, I, again, they get it more right in the NFL than they do college, although in the NFL – they really have to stop calling incidental hands somewhere in the face area. I'm not talking about the, the offensive and defensive linemen. I'm right, talking exactly. about like, follow through. It's called roughing the passer. Yeah, they got to stop that. It's, it's just not. It's, it drives me nuts. Chef Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Chef Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks, Seth. Uh, exactly, Jeff. The rules for player safety have adversely impacted defensive players, and it has to change now. It makes the game less enjoyable, and as you said, hasn't had the desired impact changing. Yeah, I've talked about that a lot. Uh, it's very, very frustrating uh, to watch that play out the way that it has uh, over the years, and you've seen, well, the rules in and of themselves are already set up for offenses to have success, uh, given what you can and can't do. So, yeah, but then, but then you add to it. Uh, it, it, it hurts. Irash uh, Fell, warchant.com. Busy, busy time. You can read his latest article. It's way past time for FSU Athletics to get strong leadership. Uh, posted the website today. Good read. A lot of good reads there. You want to check on that. You want to read that. You want to read about Randy Shannon on the road recruiting for Florida State. Michael Langston updating all the stuff with recruiting. And, of course, uh, the latest in FSU's AD search. We welcome him now. What's up, brother? How the hell are you? I'm good, Jeff. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's a busy, busy time. Appreciate your work as always, brother. I think um, everybody is waiting uh, hour by hour to see whose name goes in the portal, what other candidates are coming in here, and uh, as far as what players at Florida State can poach from other programs, as well as can they secure this recruiting class, and then of course the AD situation. Is that? Does this look like it's going to be resolved a lot sooner than later, right? Uh, it looks like, I mean, this announcement could come as early as, what, this week? Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think the fact that, you know, if it is Vince Tyre, which is what we expect, um, it's, uh, you know, their, their board of trustees is meeting today. Uh, so it could be there's some resolution out of that. Maybe there's an announcement tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people... Again, it's it's kind of the foregone conclusion that that's who it's going to be, uh, but you know we don't have that definitively, and it doesn't sound like anything is officially done yet. Um, but yeah, I would think it'll be sooner than later, and, and possibly uh, as soon as. My guess is it wouldn't happen tonight, but but maybe as soon as tomorrow. 
Ira, I know you've had to reach out to a ton of sources. Everybody is scrambling to try to get as much information as possible. It's awfully tough unless you're within an athletic program to know uh, who stood in the way and who, who had all the power and who was responsible for what. But I know my sources tell me that uh, in, in terms of if it is Vince Tyree, that you're getting a guy that's very corporate, uh, good at raising money, smart guy, good speaker, uh, great with leadership, has vision. Uh, you know, this all sounds like stuff I'd be excited about. You never really know if it's going to work out with an AD. There are very few slam dunks, but uh, those are good descriptors. Yeah, they would be. It's funny, though, man. Like, part of what happens now with social media, and I, you know, look, man, I don't know this guy from Adam. Me neither. Uh, like, like you said, you know, you talk to people. Uh, I've talked to people who cover Louisville, and I've talked to some people who uh, know people that have worked there. Yep. And, um, you know, I think he's a obviously a strong business mind. Uh, you know, he went in there and kind of cleaned house a little bit uh, at Louisville and, uh, you know, made, some, made a lot of changes and wanted to get in a new direction. And I think for the most part, uh, you know, there's no glaring problems with what he did at Louisville. The, the only, you know, the, from a from a from a perception standpoint, uh, you know, if you go on social media, you know, a lot of their fans were not happy with him. A lot of their fans didn't think he was a good hire in the first place. He didn't go to Louisville. He went to Kentucky. Uh, that's probably something that was always going to be a little bit of a, yeah. uh, a hang up for him. Um, and uh, you know, look, he went out and hired Chris Mack, which was a huge hire, and it hasn't been a huge success so far. So that's one thing. Scott Satterfield hasn't been as uh, successful as they had hoped in football, but that wasn't his hire. Uh, he also hasn't made a change there. So that's something that people, uh, some of their fans are frustrated about. But I haven't heard anything that's tangible that, oh, this is why this guy would be a bad hire. Um, and as you said, they interviewed several people. This process went on for, for several weeks, uh, maybe even longer than that. And, uh, you know, if this is who they hired, then you'll have to see. And if, it, if it's a bad hire, it doesn't work out, then, then, President McCullough will have to uh, you know, answer for that. But I think right now, from I would encourage people, um, you know, just to be open-minded. Uh, they're going to hire who they're going to hire. It doesn't make sense to trash them ahead of time. Wait and see what happens. Well, and, and again, I think for the most part, and this is not even insulting, I would say this about me or you or anybody else, that even those of us in the business talking to people behind the scenes, it's hard to know whether or not uh, an AD is a good fit for a certain university, right? It, it, their their overall acumen for the job, their skill, all of that may be very much in play, and, and, and they know what they're doing, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Other times, guys uh, have had difficulties elsewhere, and they get a fresh start somewhere else, and they do exceptionally well. Most of us are not immersed in that world enough to know uh, who is for certain a good AD or a bad, D, bad AD. We know surface-level stuff, but again, we don't know. For example... You know, they've been clamoring for a change at Louisville because they don't like Satterfield. They don't feel like this has worked out. Well, maybe he wanted to make a change. That is the rumor that he wanted to bring Brom home from Purdue and bring him back to Louisville, but that he and the president don't see eye to eye on that. How much of that is true, I don't know, but that is certainly circulated out there. Exactly. And, and one of the other things that, you know, again, that comes out of things like this is people say, well, I know somebody that works there and they don't like it. Well, it's like, yeah, okay. I know a lot of people that work for good bosses that don't like them mm. because. The boss is demanding. So, there's, you know, there's just, there's, it's impossible to know exactly to your point. I think what is encouraging about this, and this is what I kind of wrote about in my column, is whoever it is, whether it's this guy or whether it's somebody else, maybe he decides to turn it down at the 11th hour and they hire somebody else. Whatever it is, I just hope for the first time in, in 15 years or longer that Florida State 
can have an athletic director that people can rally around, that people in the department know he's the guy whose vision we're chasing, we're pursuing, gives them purpose every day at work, uh, and, and, and just because that's where you get good work. I mean, people, for the last, I mean, how many years, decade or longer that we've been on social media, how many people have complained about the social media presence from FSU or complained about right. uh, the marketing for FSU or complained about the, um, you know, the operations at, at events or whatever it is, how much of that comes from not people not feeling empowered in their jobs, people not being happy in their jobs, people not being inspired in their jobs. So if you get somebody in that position that can lead and provide real leadership and vision, that could make everybody else perform better, which would help your university. So that's, to me, that's the biggest thing is if they get that, somebody that is a good operator, can raise money, can be a good leader and empower people underneath them, I think then Florida State's going to be heading in the right direction. Yeah, we all know the importance that uh, the AD sets up the coaches, the coaches set up the players. All of this has to be from the top down, buttoned up, in order, pulling in the same direction. Florida State's never really had a chance to do that since post-Dave Hart, in my opinion, uh, for a variety of reasons that are well-documented that we have certainly talked about. Now let's go on to the field of play where these changes are happening rapidly. We're looking uh, at what Miami's doing with Cristobal and Radakovich. We're looking, uh, obviously we know what Florida just did with Napier, all this affects Florida State to varying degrees. We're going to watch LSU. We're going to. We already saw with the LSU. I should say with their hire of Kelly. We, we're watching what happened with Brent Venables leaving Clemson uh, and going to Oklahoma. So, in your eyes, big picture, what is this? Sh- shook out to be i guess in, in your mind how is, is this negatively affecting florida state or is it great to be in the position florida state's in uh what are your thoughts on those particular hires as as, as to me it reflects on what florida state's capable of moving forward uh, or at least who they have to fight with let's put it that way yeah man i actually think florida state's well positioned um you know in a lot of ways i mean i think what's happening at clemson can only be seen as a positive uh you know not just dan radikovich leaving but brent venables leaving uh, it sounds like uh, Tony Elliott's more amenable to look for a head coaching job right now. Uh, we obviously know Clemson was not the same team on the field this year. So that program seems to be uh, losing steam, which is a positive for Florida State by, by, by no question. Um, you look at the change of Florida, you know, I think Billy Napier is probably a solid hire. I think he's probably similar to Mike Norvell, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in there and just blow the doors off of everybody. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to need some time. Uh, to get that program because I think he's got a lot of work. I think Dan Mullen lost control of that locker room. I think we saw it in that game when Florida State played down there. Uh, and I think that's what led to a lot of their problems this season. So now, you know, you may have a coach who has to come there and really rebuild it. Even though the talent is there, he may have to kind of rebuild the culture. So I think that's a positive for Florida State. And the Miami situation is fascinating. It's going to get a lot of headlines and everybody loves the idea of people going out and throwing money at a problem. I'm not sure how sustainable that is. I'm not so sure. Uh, how all that's going to work. And so, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, they're going to get all the headlines. They're going to win all the, the news reports uh, over the next few weeks, next few months. Um, but I- I'm still curious about how this whole process, they've gone with this ad hoc hiring committee of all these big boosters, and you got, you know, Dan Levitard and his people and everybody else is, is involved in this situation where they're trying to throw all this money and fix their problem. At the end of the day, I don't know how easily that problem is fixed. They still have the same facilities. They still have the same challenge with every school in the country, from Alabama to Clemson to Georgia to everybody, Ohio State, coming down into their area to get players. Mario Cristobal can't just shut all that down. Um, and, and, and they also have the problem of 
you know, just the, the, the overall infrastructure and, and the commitment to athletics, just because you have some boosters now who are throwing money at the problem, that doesn't necessarily fix, mean you fixed all your fundamental issues in that department, in that, in that school. So uh, I'm not convinced that Miami's fixed their problem. I, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to. Uh, but, yeah, I think Florida State's really well positioned, and I think as long as Mike Norvell stays on task and if they get this new uh, athletic director, whoever it is, if it's Vince Tyree or whoever, and they come in and, and, and FSU does what they need to do, I think they're really well positioned. I'm just curious, uh, your thoughts, uh, I guess two things you and I got a chance to talk about on the Smash. Folks can go back and watch the Sunday Smash on Warchant TV. It's, it's, it's posted from last night. But for our listeners here locally, radio, and then those tuned into the show today on Warchant TV, your thoughts on what it means that, obviously, Randy Shannon was out recruiting so for Florida State. Obviously, one would think then now he is uh, a, a, in position on the staff as an actual coach coach, not an analyst. And then secondly, um, you know, I, I guess your thoughts on what the, the the loss from Florida State basketball over the weekend uh, represented to you, like where this team's at, how far do they have to go uh, to look like uh, a team that's going back to the NCAA tournament? Because right now people begin to get a little nervous. This doesn't look the way it has the last three years. Yeah, no question. Um, as far as Randy Shannon goes, man, I think it's a really positive step that, that it sounds like. I mean, if Chris Marv is leaving, he's pursuing some other opportunities. If, if Randy Shannon can step into that linebacker position – uh, or whatever position they come up with, they coach linebackers. I think that would be a really good thing for Florida State. I thought he was really, I think Randy Shannon was beneficial to the staff uh, during the course of this past season as an analyst. He's a very good recruiter. Um, I think he fits in well. I think the coaches like him. He likes them. He and Odell are, have gone way back. They have a great relationship. Um, so I think all that's really positive. I don't know that that's a done deal, though. I think that, you know, other schools are going to pursue Randy Shannon. And if he decides to take something else, that's still. I, I would assume a possibility. I don't think he signed anything with Florida State. Um, if that happens, then they'll still have to fill that position. But I, but right now, I think it's a really good uh, FSU's in a good position with Randy Shannon. Uh, as far as basketball goes, man, yeah, it, that's a bad loss because it's it's going to be one of those losses that, that could hurt you uh, down the stretch come tournament time uh, because it's a home loss against a team that we don't think is going to be have a great season. Um, and now, you know, again. Uh, some of the, some of the challenges that we were concerned about have not been fixed, and I think that I think they're fixable. The good news is I think they're fixable. I think if you can get some of those veteran players, you know, the polite and Wilkes and, and Raquan Evans and those guys to settle into roles that they can do, I still think this team can be a really good team as long as those younger guys can step up and fill the needs they the, the needs that this team needs them to fill. Um, but obviously, man, it's a work in progress. What we do know. Is if you if they're gonna if those older guys are gonna think they need to be carrying the load, right? This team's not gonna have a lot of success. There, there needs to be some reckoning there from on their part, and then the younger guys have to step up and fill those roles. Thanks, brother. There's a lot to cover there. Uh, everybody, go check it out. Warchant.com. Ira will have the very latest uh, on the AD search, and of course, the rest of the staff contributing all throughout the week as we learn more world of recruiting, transfer portal, etc. Be good, man. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Yeah, take care. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that I am concerned. Uh, just to, to put a ribbon on this here real quick, with uh, I, I am concerned that uh, real money is stepping to the table to help Miami for the first time in a long time. That is disconcerting. There, a lot of problems, I, I, I agree with those who pointed this out, a lot of times a lot of money can solve problems. <laughs> it gives you, gives you a little bit of wiggle room. Ask the Yankees. <laughs> now that's saying the case. Yeah, so what we whiff on one guy, we'll go get yeah, two we'll more. Just go get yeah, two, yeah. yeah. It, it does. It does have a way of working itself out. 
Um, but then again, I'm biased. I'm somebody who wants to see no progress for Miami. I want to continue to see them struggle. Yeah, to me, it, again, my fundamental question is, is this a one-time surge of money that they're promising is going to be a constant flow of cash to the program? Uh, that's not true? Or is it the beginning of this is the new standard of the way Miami is going to spend? Because if it's the beginning of the new standard of the way that Miami is going to spend, then all right, yeah, you've got a fight on your hands. But if it's, oh, we're so pissed off at being mediocre, we're going to throw $30 million at the problem and let's see how it does, and in three years we'll, we'll see where we, what we do next, then okay. You know, this might be something where you see marginal improvement. But I, I think what you're going to learn about how real the money is is in the next two to three weeks, the assistant hires the salaries of the assistants, and the number of analysts mm. that Miami brings in. Because that's the big talking point down in Gainesville with Billy Napier. Is, is this is army of people. He's going to have an army of analysts. Yeah, like, and, and listen, that might not be true, or it might be that there are a bunch of bums. I don't know. But that, that kind of talk raises my eyebrow as a Noel fan saying, mm. Of course it does. I mean, it's not, well, it's not surprising that by the time Alabama got to play Georgia, they had something waiting. They had something offensively waiting for Georgia that nobody else could come up with. When you have a sea of analysts to hyper-focus on every aspect of what a team is or is not, and where you have areas of strength to attack that weakness, it's no wonder it happens. I mean, yes, they also recruit incredible players, and Nick's a great coach, but having former head coaches from scattered across college football's landscape to come and be at your uh, halfway house when they get fired to uh, just analyze a segment of a team weeks in advance is beneficial, one would think. Come back, wrap it up momentarily. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Well, this is fun. You want to do player props tonight? Have a good time with it, buddy. I believe I saw, and we should take a look at it. Go by... Player parlays, game props. Uh, there's a lot of goodness out there in terms of uh, total touchdowns, rushing yards as well. Did you get your money out of the uh, the local sports book? I did. Good for you. I pulled my money in the nick of time. I also got very lucky because I had a um, three-team, six-team, six-point teaser pleaser that was dependent on the Vikings. And the other two legs hit. Of course, we know the Vikings choked and lost to Detroit in the last second. I would have lost my money, but instead they had refunded it to me because... Oh, they did? Yeah, time was up. Okay. Yeah, so I got it all back. They're like, sorry, can't take your bet. We knew we took it originally. You get it back. I would have been furious had I won that bet, but uh, but it, it worked out for me. Last I checked this morning, uh, I saw where you could get Josh Allen over under rushing yards for the game. If you want, cue it up. I'll do the read, baby. Hey, Big Daddy, having some red rushes tonight? We'll know in about 47 seconds. Into an open wing. It's picked up by Dowdy, an empty net. He scores. Hot damn. Big Daddy's done it again. Red Russians all around, Teddy. All right, Big Daddy. This segment, as always, brought to you by our good friends at North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFloridaPayroll.com. Yeah, last I saw, you could get it. Uh, check around, shop around, always, as always. Find the best uh, values for you. 
with uh, 34 and a half yards rushing for Josh Allen. We're going to go ahead and take the over on that one, my friend. We are taking the over rushing yards for Josh Allen tonight. Inclement weather, windy weather, cold weather, not conducive for throwing the football. Run, young man, run. Simple bet. Patriots, money line, straight up winners, wrong team's favorite, plus 120 on the money line. Take the pass. That's yeah, a fun game. Uh, should be a fun uh, physical game, like you said earlier today. I like it. I like it. Everybody likes this game. I uh, am with you on that money line, uh, though I did see uh, also seven and a half rushing attempts is another number that I like. I gave. The, I took the over 35, 34, 35, depending on what you're looking at, rushing yards for Josh Allen tonight. I think he has to run around for Buffalo to have a chance to win the game. And then uh, that total on rushing attempts was at, I saw it at seven. I saw it at seven and a half in a different book. I, I think you're right. Yeah, the wind is supposed to that. settle a bit in the second half, but it is uh, sustained winds at 25 miles an hour to begin the game tonight with gusts in the 40-mile-an-hour range. So, I mean, I mean, you're talking about if you want to play totals, the over-under was at 41. I'm sure that you know Vegas and the like have already adjusted the number um, enough. But in the first half at minimum, I'd say a field goal over 40 yards is a really, really tough proposition here to make. Totals at 41 Patriots are plus 120 on the money line to take them straight up to win the game. You're right. That is a very good uh, pick there. You get plus 100 if you just take the plus 2.5 there, but uh, you're right. I take the plus 120 I mean, and ride. Yeah. Even independent of it, if you take a look at the trends this season, road teams are winning at a greater clip than they have in a long, long time, mm-hmm. which you would think that would happen during COVID and not after COVID. Uh, but road teams are winning a lot. And just, I mean, the Bills' one feather in their cap for the last month is a win over a Saints team that's not good at all. The Patriots are beating good teams, and the Patriots are dominating teams. So who is trending to be the better of the two? I mean, the Patriots are not flukishly in the first place in the AFC. They're in first place in the entire AFC in terms of seeding. That's uh, crazy, but they're doing so by playing good team football. By the way, to answer your question earlier from today, just a couple you know, NFL notes. We wondered why it was Joe Brady got fired so quickly. Uh, we thought something must be amiss there. They don't really have a quarterback. Tough to recall you much. Can't of the fire offense. him because Sam Darnold sucks. You yeah. know, yeah, or that Cam Newton sucks or anybody. You know, right. I mean, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Matt Rule had to reiterate today and did said, nope, Joe Brady being fired was purely a football decision. There's nothing fun, no funny stuff. We just didn't think he was any good. We fired him. He didn't say that, but that's, if you purely say it's a, a football, fo- decision. If you say it's a football decision. You're saying you're not a not a big fan. Well, that's on you for making the hire, then. If you hired somebody who would be that poor at his job, Matt. Matt would disagree. I wish him the best, and I'm very grateful for his time here, as we said. (laughs) (laughs) I love the young Very grateful. Very grateful. I'm so grateful for his job. I'm very grateful. He's done a lot to get us moving in the right direction. So much so, we fired his ass. So who's going to be the first head coach who gets it? Maybe Lane Kiffin will be the one who's uh, smart-ass enough like to put very in either italics or bold type. I'm very grateful for mm-hmm. his time here. I I always wish, and I it, they never do it. You can come back to haunt you. It's bad business to do it. But clearly Matt Rule was not pleased with Joe Brady. You fire an OC, you have no quarterback, you're not going anywhere the rest of this year. Your team stinks. 
and you fire him mid-season instead of waiting to the end of the year, that tells you yeah. all you need to know. They were not on the same page. No, I thought that that would be something along the lines of, you know, Joe Brady lied to them about, you know, something courting a job, or he didn't show for a meeting. Which or would seem strange. They I had to go find him like Johnny that. Manziel. And, you know, <laughs> He's <laughs> like, playing pool at 3 in the morning. Right, you know, yeah. like, where's Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, where's, where's Joe? Joe? What yeah. happened to Joe? We were having a meeting this morning. Otherwise, if, if all you have to work with is Sam Darnold and Cam Newton, and you're going to get fired for a football decision? That's a toughie. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, but that's why I wish that in those moments, uh, the the in this case, the head coach, Matt Rule, would be like, well, our offense has been terrible, and although we have not had much to work with at quarterback, Joe really exacerbated the problem every week. He was ill-prepared, uh, no real cogent uh, game plan from week to week. Uh, I, to put it bluntly, Joe did a terrible job, so we fired him this morning. I'm relieved to have fired his ass. It's been a nightmare. Uh, we wish him well. Uh, maybe this will serve as a wake-up call to Joe to get it together, but uh, he's no longer welcome here, and we're yeah, moving on. It sounds like creative differences. Because isn't Rule an offensive guy by trade? I believe he is. I, I could have that wrong. But I, I thought Rule was was an offensive coach, so maybe they just didn't get along. But, I mean, if Sean Payton speaks the praises of this guy and Sean Payton is the, the golden god of NFL coaching, one would think. Well, and obviously Matt uh, did a fine job at LSU in a way yeah. that uh, yeah, saw no, yeah. record. Oh, what did I? Yeah, what did I say, Matt? I said his name again. Um, yes, he. By the way, uh, if you're if you're wanting to know more about uh, Matt Rule and his background and his assistant coaches' jobs and everything else in between, he was a linebackers coach and a defensive line coach. So he's a defensive. Okay, guy. no, I had that backwards. You know, I just wanted to double check. I thought he was defensive, and I was like, yeah, maybe Tom's right. I'll double check. But we got it right, buddy. All right, that's it. That's all. Good work out of uh, Ira. Good work out of uh, Director Matthew, as always. Good work out of you, Thomas. And for those that uh, tuned in, we do appreciate you guys. Thomas, be well. I'm in trouble. No, you're okay. All right. <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.